Do you hear the people sing, singing about unrest in France? It is a story about some boys who really look good in short, tight pants. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) No, I know. Gary likes herself a revolutionary. Everybody in this story likes themselves a revolutionary. Yeah, well, only like 25% of them are hot. Let's be honest. No, but like, honestly, I'm here for the Aaron Tevin of it all, but... And I hate Eddie Redmayne confusing me about whether he's hot or not. I know. <laughs> I hate it. Look at that dork. Is it hot or not? Like, I know, right? Did I say it? You did. I, I started to say he and said it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to dehumanize you, Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> Oh, but we're going to get to talk all about it. All about it. The miserables. (laughs) The wretched. The wretched. Yes, the wretched. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where no one's French and it doesn't seem to matter. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week, we are talking about one of Tom Hooper's crowning achievements, Mm. the 2012 adaptation of the stage musical Les Miserables. Les Miserables. (laughs) We're here. Yeah, we are. It's Bill, yeah. We always wanted to do this. And, you know, guys, this Christmas is going to be the 10th anniversary of this film's release. Isn't that wild? Ten years with this. Yeah. That's insane. I can go right back to those times, too. I know. Isn't it great? (laughs) (sighs) Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join this watch party. Absolutely. On the Patreon this month, we are covering uh, our pitches for fictional Muppet movies. Indeed, indeed. And uh, later this month, we're going to be covering uh, some holiday episodes we enjoy. Indeed, indeed. Getting so, back to TV. Yeah, yeah, no, seriously. Go over and check that that out guys guys there's never been a better time to give us your money for just five dollars a month you get access to all of that bonus content all of our television coverage all of our long form coverage you get all of jadams all of the haunting of hill house it's over there right now for you and guys if you want access to our full catalog of main feed goodness you go on you go on over to our Podbean page there you can get a custom rss link and listen in any player of your choosing all right Ross. It's miserable. And it's France. (laughs) Guys, this is not going to be a super fun episode. (laughs) Guys, this is going to be a two-parter. It is going to be a two-parter. You're getting part one today and part two next week, okay? Absolutely. Merry Christmas, everyone. Let's talk about misery (laughs) in France. I'm cold. Let me stay here for tonight. I know who you are. You're Jean Valjean. Right, my girl. On your way. I had a dream my life would be. Help me, please. I have a child. 
mother is your child. One day more. Set. Another day, another destiny. Hamza. It's never-ending road to Calvary. Where's the child, Cosette? Tomorrow you'll be worlds away. Who was that girl? Cosette. And yet with you my world has started. But he never saw me The work that this is based on is the 1862 novel, and oh, is it a novel? It is. A five-volume novel. It's a tome. It is this. It is as long as it. Yeah. And it's as long as uh, what's it called? Clash of Swords or whatever it is. The George R. R. Martin. Yeah, it novel. is. Yeah, the Victor Hugo, the George R. R. Martin of his time. Um, <laughs> My God. Uh, yeah, first published in 1862. Um, he was in self-exile oh. when this was published, Victor Hugo. Uh, Victor Hugo is a very um, classically known author in literature. Um, not only did he do Les Mis, he was a French politician. Wow. He served in the French legislature in the 19th century. I have a question. Yes. A student Carrie has her first question of the episode. Was Victor Hugo on the right side of things? Oh, yeah. Because based on his writings, I would have to believe he is. Ab- no, absolutely. Okay. No, yes, he was on the right side of things. He's a Republican. And when I say that, Please mean I mean a French Republican and, and not, not an, an American, American Republican. Republican. Gotcha. Those are they're different things. I promise they are. <laughs> uh, you know, just one of the greatest romantic authors of all time, guys. He's the author of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh. And okay, yeah, Carrie loves her some Hunchback. Oh, oh my gosh, Rigoletto. Oh, have you heard of Rigoletto? I mean, vaguely. It's an opera for which Hugo portray, uh, for which Hugo contributed uh, words. Oh, okay. To the libretto, yeah. Hey, Hugo. Yeah, I know. And uh, guys, I, I, whoever, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you've read this book, congratulations. Let's talk sometime. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Because holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. 1,462 pages of misery. Mm-hmm. Mostly misery. And guys, obviously, by <laughs> there's this guy. His name's Cameron McIntosh. Hello, and Mr. McIntosh. Before the movie, you will see the production cred for Cam Mac, or whatever it's called. Uh, Cameron McIntosh is known for having his finger in the pies of so many theatrical successes. Cats. Oh. The Phantom of the Opera. Oh. Into the Woods. 
and Les Miserables. Oh like, my God, some of the greatest shows. The stage version of Mary Poppins. Like wow. the Yeah, Cam McIntosh has his finger in those pies, all of them, wow. as a either a producer or as a financier. A financier? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen to you. No, listen, one of my favorite parts about today is going to be listening to you try and pronounce all, all of the, these French names. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> you know what, guys? I have really good pronunciation, but mostly in Spanish. <laughs> because I've taken eight semesters total of Spanish and none of French. And meanwhile, I've taken one semester of French practically ten years ago. French seems to me like the tease language. Like, you're going to half understand it, but it's always going to be deceiving you in some way. Uh, absolutely. No, no offense to the French, but your language... Language is whack. So is the English. So is the English. And (laughs) I'm kind of appalled that English has taken over the world the way it has. Um, But in uh, 1979, 1980, (laughs) Cameron McIntosh got together with uh, a director named Robert Hussein and also uh, famous uh, French musician and lyricist Claude Michel Chambord and Alain (laughs) Boisbille. Okay. Which I probably just shredded that. (laughs) Alain Boblile. Can I see it? Actually, Ross, that's pretty close. Alain Boblile. <laughs> Jean-Marc <Yes>. Nattel. <laughs> it premiered on my birthday, 1980. It really did? For the very first time, yeah. Oh, wow. In Paris. That's lovely. This musical was originally all in French. Really? Yeah, when it premiered the first time, it was, the whole thing was in French. Wow. And then in 1982, it gets brought across the pond after it's already been on the West End in London. Thank you, Cam Mac. Macintosh, because <laughs> Cam Macintosh has a uh, habit of giving things to London, and London gives it to the rest of the world. Yeah. And so then we have, of course, the famous Broadway production of Les Mis in the early 1980s. It won Tony Award for Best Musical, Tony Award for Best Book of a Musical, Tony Award for Best Original Score. This show has a special place in my heart, not only because it's beautiful in every way, but mm-hmm. also because... It is Gavin's favorite musical. Mm-hmm. He saw this for the first time when he was a young weigh-in, and he has loved it ever since. His senior showcase when he graduated high school was comprised mostly of Les Miserables songs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have a special association with this show. And it, uh, you know how Phantom, the Phantom of the Opera, is Broadway's longest-running musical. Yeah. Les Miserables is the West End's longest-running musical. Also both French in nature. <laughs> Indeed, yes, they both take place in France. France is just the place to be, I guess. Absolutely. But everyone's so miserable that, (laughs) I don't know. The novel tells the story of Jean Valjean, who was imprisoned for stealing a loaf of bread to feed his starving family. A survival crime. Yeah, and he got like five years for it. And then got an extra 14 for trying to escape so many times because he knew, in fact, in the whole realm of all things humane, he was innocent. Like, Yeah, for real. He didn't do anything that would have... <sighs> I know, I know. 
here's the thing. We don't have time to debate whether or not Jean Valjean is a good person at the beginning of this. No, American inmates have over 17,000 years of time on their sentences, and it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and that's just America, <laughs> that's by the way. literally just America. Like, oh, I just, again, we can't get into it, but like, <laughs> the thing is, is that this whole show makes a big deal out of whether or not Jean Valjean is a good man. He's always been a good man, in my opinion. Yes, no, absolutely. So anyway. And then 30 years later, oh, oh he's here. <laughs> my boyfriend, Tom Hooper. Yeah. Director of things like John Adams and the King's Speech. Both. And, 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 don't you neglect to mention it. What? <laughs> what? A certain... No, no. <laughs> no. No. That was when he passed away. No, Ross. You, I, no. I, I miss Tom. I miss Tom so much. Too bad he died in 2019 before they could make cats. No, Ross. Ugh. He was responsible for cats, and you have to accept that Tom as a human Hooper's being. Tom Hooper's alive. <laughs> yeah. And he made cats, and it breaks me in half because we have things like John Adams and Les Mis and the King's Speech. These beautiful productions of film and television. So well done. Production design on point. Talent amazing. And then Cats. 30 years after this Broadway run, Tom Hooper swoops in to take the reins on this film adaptation of the very famous musical. And it's kind of wild to me that Les Mis is one of the most adapted works in all of your, you know, film viewing lexicon. Uh, TV, film, the stage, what have you. Yeah, I'd kind of forgotten that. Isn't there a Liam Neeson version? No, there were two movies and a television series produced before this was. Okay. And that were not the musical, just just about the book. Yeah. Even though the musical's been out now for 40 years. Like, in my opinion, and maybe this is just because I'm a theater kid, but the musical aspect of it is what makes it palatable for me as a human being. Because mm-hmm. the story's just so devastating from beginning to end. There's something like 40 separate musical numbers yeah. in the original Les Mis. Herbert Kretzmer is a... Um, is a lyricist who translated the musical into English. He did a beautiful job. They actually found that when they did it in English, the runtime was shorter (laughs) than when done in complete French. And speaking of runtime, there's just no friggin' way we're going to be able to cover every, you know, musical aspect of this show. No, yeah, we've, we're only going to really name the nameable numbers. The greatest hits, if you will. Because the notion of this musical, guys, it is like rent. It is sung through. Opera. And even though all of the, you know, performers in this, you know, even though they may not have been the A number one best choice vocally for these parts... It still takes a lot of the pressure off so that these actors can focus on their performances in the moment by having this all done live. Oh, which brings me to the piece of trivia <laughs> that you quote the, the most. Yeah, the quote that I quote the most in all of these shows, which is that, yes, for this film adaptation, when they filmed this show, they did all of the singing live. 
And I know people have a lot of feelings about that. And 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 we will and we will talk more about this when we get to it. But like, I feel like it's taking a lot of that. Okay, let's stop and sing attitude when it comes to musicals. You know, these actors are able to focus more wholly on their character because normally when you have a musical production like this, the cast gets together and does the album first. Right. And so now we we could just have you know. <laughs> like a month of vocal training and then we can film it. Yeah. Once, and once it's blocked. And you like know? like you just said, it allows the actors to focus on the actual emotions that are present in this story, which is very easy to mute when you're seeing like a very professional musical traveling production of this show. You're just all caught up in the music and the 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 eloquence and the um, professionalism with which it is executed and not be invested in the actual emotions of the story. It's a Christmas movie. It's not a Christmas <laughs> You're movie. You're right. It was just released at Christmas. There is a difference. <laughs> <laughs> the way Again, I, we need a whole podcast just for that discussion. The way last episode you were like, well, there's snow in it. <laughs> and Santa. Don't forget Santa. And Santa. <laughs> Oh, Santa! I will never forget this cinema experience. This is one of the first films I saw in theaters. I was 16 years old when it came out. And this is one of the first films I ever saw in theaters where I had an ongoing visceral emotional reaction to it. Yeah. And the the story's examination of a country that had changed more than any other state in human history yeah. up until the point it was written. The turbulence. Yeah, like, it, it, it's just breathtaking. I just want to read the, I just want to read this bit from the uh, Wikipedia article uh, about the novel. Examining the nature of law and grace, the novel elaborates upon the history of France, the architecture and urban design of Paris, politics, moral philosophy, anti-monarchism, justice, religion, and the types and nature of romantic and familial love. How deep. I know, I know. Hugo, you, you, you wrote a banger, and you didn't even realize it. It wasn't even recognized as a banner until it was turned into a musical. He wrote a lot of bangers, to be quite honest. I mean, like, I mean, and that's not true, by the way. It, 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 the, the story was loved before the musical was ever created, but, you know, I just feel like... Uh, I feel like I feel like this musical is the yassification of the novel. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. You, you know what I mean? And yes. that's fine. I I I love this movie. <clears throat> Folks, you might have guessed it, but we've got names. Oh boy. And guys, no one is French. <laughs> no one. No. Not a single person. Yeah, no, I understand. We'll get there. Okay. These are all British people playing the citizens of France. As Jean Valjean, our hero, this kind of Donald Draper-esque figure, if you will. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> okay. This mysterious man who keeps changing his identity. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Don Draper, the Jean Valjean of the 60s. Stop. Uh, <laughs> No, D Donald Draper is not a good man. No, he's no. not. Anyway, we have Hugh fucking Jackman. Oh. Hi, Hugh Jackman. I believe this might be your first time visiting us here at Kicking and Streaming. I think as well. Like, I mean, honestly, did you see him being cast in this role? Like, didn't that seem out of left field for you? A little bit. And you know what? Even sitting in the theater for the first time and listening to him, I'm like, wow, he is acting these scenes with his whole pussy. Yeah. But... <laughs> 
it's the live performance that you just have to kind of get comfortable with. Yes. You know, like, yeah. and that's okay because Hugh did a wonderful job. He did. In this role. And the criticisms of his vocal performance, we, we acknowledge them. They're there. Yeah. Anyway, guys, he's fucking Wolverine <laughs> from the X-Men saga. He did that for 17 years. Yeah, God bless him. Between 2000 and 2017, <laughs> playing James Logan Howlett. Absolutely. Uh, from, as Wolverine. He's a Tony Award winning actor, guys. He came to prominence on Broadway in 2001, 2002 for his performances Peter Allen in The Boy from Oz. Really? Peter Allen, Liza Minnelli's second husband. Oh my God. Second gay husband. <laughs> Poor Judy Garland and Liza Minnella. They're just marrying gay men left and right. I mean, hey, they got You good. know, I say poor them, but you know what? Good for them. Yeah, seriously. Good for them. They they, they would. They truly, they loved you more than any of your straight husbands did, guys. Absolutely. Like, oh, my God, guys. As um, Inspector Javert, <laughs> the, French mili- uh, the French militant and law enforcement official constantly looking for Jean Valjean and vowing to put him behind bars, we have Russell fucking Crowe. <laughs> Which guys? Acclaimed singer-songwriter Russell Crowe. Stop! I'm sorry. You know he's from New Zealand. Is he really? He is, but he's Australian. No, seriously, guys. I I understand all of the criticisms every Broadway baby has about Russell Crowe being in this movie. You know what? He does a good job, guys. He does an okay job. He does an okay job. Like, and even even if you compare him to everybody else in the show, folks, there's always one person. In every theater production, who is definitely the worst? Yeah, no, it doesn't belong. Yeah. But but doesn't necessarily mean they did a bad job. You know okay. What? Yeah, no, he does a fine job. Y'all can get over yourselves. We know the singing's bad. Yeah, okay? it's fine. Anyway, so he, you will know him as General Maximus Decimus Meridius from Gladiator. Are you not entertained? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and some of them were entertained. <laughs> The Insider, A Beautiful Mind, L.A. Confidential. Oh, I love A Beautiful Mind. Cinderella Man. Yes. We watched that in school. You did not. Yes, we did. We talked about it in speech class. Okay. Because we were talking about, we were analyzing, no, or was that W131? Does it matter? We were were analyzing the Cinderella story, and we watched that movie for it. That was definitely W131 then. Yeah, yeah, it was W131. Ashen Poodle? Guys, as Fontaine, the grisette of Act One, if you will. Oh, <laughs> she's been here before. She's been here before, guys. You know her. You love her. Your favorite teenage princess, Anne Hathaway, everybody. Yes, baby. She was with us, of course, when we covered Princess Diaries and when we covered The Devil Wears Prada. Oh. She was in other things we covered. I know that, but... <laughs> I haven't kept tabs on Anne. Um, Anne Hathaway is is a project that is also very near and dear to her heart. Her mother played Fontaine in the North American tours of this show all throughout the 90s. That's beautiful. Yeah, and even into the early 2000s. You know, a role that Patti Lapone had originated on Broadway. Anne Hathaway, I love that interview where Anne Hathaway's talking about how much she loved going to see her mother in this and that she really kind of felt like she was carrying her spirit through this this whole production and do not make me cry this early on okay yeah no I, i i i felt like all the things i was watching have happened to her were happening to my mother so it made it very real for me and it made fontaine's suffering and her story resonate so deeply with me so when it came 
when I found out that I was going to be in the film, my expectations for the film were, were even though it's being sung, I want it to feel like a real story. I want to feel like if you turn the volume down, you would feel like you were watching a, 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 a page, you were looking at a page out of someone's life. As Fontaine's daughter, Cosette, we have Isabel Allen. As the young version as of the, Cosette. the young version of Cosette, which is the only version we get in this part one. Of, oh, yeah, that's worth of, mentioning. Yes, yes, absolutely. She will be the only Cosette for this episode. Cosette, the, the famous image associated with this story is the uh, pencil drawing of Cosette sweeping the floor in Thenardier's Inn. Her face is on every playbill for Les Miserables. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she lives with the innkeeper, the Thenardier, because Fontaine, her mother, can't afford to keep her herself, mm -hmm. you know. And um, Isabel Allen, this is probably her biggest cred. Absolutely. At, at this point in her life. Um, she was in, ooh, she was in Killers Anonymous. I don't know what that That's is. That's from three years ago, but whatever. Uh, in the long run, find me in Paris. She's done a few things. As the Thenardiers themselves, Monsieur oh. and Madame. God damn it. As Monsieur Thenardier, we have Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> My wife. And I can't believe... <laughs> Carrie. I know. <laughs> My wife. This can't be his first time here. Yes, it is. Okay. All right. Because we haven't done Sweeney Todd. And we haven't done Madagascar. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which are the things we love him from. And I don't know if we can ever bring ourselves to do Borat or The Dictator or any of that fool shit. I know. I, I love Sasha Baron Cohen. He can be kind of off color. Yeah. You know, but like. He brings it to this role, though. Yeah. He's the evil innkeeper, of course. Yeah. Sweeney Todd. He's Adolfo Pirelli. And then he's King Julian in Madagascar. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to. Move it! Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> As Madame Thenardier, ooh, here she is. <laughs> we love her. HBC supremacy over here on this podcast. <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter. Yes. She's been with us at least twice. She was with us in The Corpse Bride. The King's Speech. Oh, she was in King's Speech. And what else? She was also in Big Fish. She was in Big Fish, yes. Yeah. And she was in. She was definitely in something else, too. I just can't remember what it is at the moment. You can't hold us to it anymore, guys. It's been four years. Oh, wait. A series of unfortunate events. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. But she doesn't get credited. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, she's the silhouette of their mom. That's right. And guys, some honorable mentions here. Um, Colm Wilkinson, oh. the original Broadway Jean Valjean, is here. Playing the Bishop of Digne? Digne? I think D it's Donye. Donye? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> See, you're going to have so much fun with that. I, I am. I know. <laughs> the Bishop of Donye. And uh, Frances Ruffel, who was also from the original cast, I believe she is the woman asking Fontaine for her hair. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. She's all, all right. She's also an original cast member. We've got OG players here today. Yes, we do. Yeah. And I was like, this is just, oh, we'll talk about it. I can't wait. Also, Kate Fleetwood. Okay. Who you like from Harlots. She's Nancy from Harlots. Yes! She's also in Elizabeth the Golden Age with Eddie Redmayne. Yes, she is. Yes, absolutely. Obviously, guys, that's not all of the cast members. It's because we're going to cut this episode off at a very specific point in no, time. Yeah, we are also going to, yeah, we're going to talk about players next week, next week. Absolutely. Ladies, ladies, and gentle thems, welcome back to Ross's History Corner. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to give you just a rundown of the pertinent history of France as it relates to this story. All right. Obviously, as you've known from school, hopefully, the country of France was in a constant state of revolution for about a century. And <laughs> between the late 18th century and the late 19th century. 
And the thing about this is that the French monarchy started a little bit at the same time as the English monarchy did. The old kings, like Wessex and old Rome and stuff like that. And what you need to know is, is that from about the 10 hundreds on, the House of Capet, the houses of Capet and Valois ruled France. You get up to the Bourbons in like the 16th century. They take control of France. The Bourbons rule until 1792. Yeah, that's a, that's a while. France had just helped this country known as the United States of America fight a revolution against the British. And so they were like, well, they did that. Yeah. Let's do that. And like, I'm sick of our king. And that's when they beheaded Louis XVI and, uh, or as he was known at the time of his death, Citizen Louis Capet. Oh, whatever. Yes, anyway. And then the Americans promptly abandoned them. Yeah, and then the, the, the Americans abandoned them and they were left to their own devices. They have 10 years of republicanism before France is taken over and turned into an empire by an Italian statesman named Napoleon Bonaparte. <laughs> he was... Emperor of the French, King of Italy, Protector of the Rhineland. Okay. His brother was King of Belgium. The Bonapartes took over Europe. Yeah. In the beginning of the 1800s. And where our story starts in 1815, Napoleon has died. Oh. And Louis XVIII has become the king of France. That's literally my first note is like, oops, all berries slash oops, all kings again. <laughs> John Adams from monarchy to anarchy and back to monarchy. Exactly. You know, like, and Louis XVIII is Louis XVI's brother. Mm. Because Louis the Sixteenth had a son who was Louis the Seventeenth. All right, and then his other brother took the name Louis the Eighteenth. So the Bourbons have been restored to the throne of France. Barf. After Louis the Eighteenth, Charles the Tenth, his brother, would be king. Oh boy. So Louis the Fifteenth had four sons who were king of France. Yikes. Yeah, <laughs> like three or four sons that were king of France, and so now. <laughs> when we come to the beginning of our narrative, France is in this horrid state. Yeah. We fought a whole revolution, could barely hold on to it for a decade before we were turned into an empire. We've just now thrown off the empire and we're right back into the monarchy we started with yeah. 30 fucking years ago. The, you know? the definition of square one, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And so we start... In a prison! Yeah, no, absolutely. Guys, we have to get to this content. We absolutely must begin. Are you ready? I am. Okay. That opening shot of the French flag floating in the water. Yeah. Oh, it's so iconic. <laughs> and as we rise to the surface, oh, it's the drums. You can hear the drums. And on screen it says, 1815, 26 years after the start of the French Revolution, a king is once again on the throne of France. This takes us into look down. Oh, I knew from the moment our point of view breaks the surface of the water that this film was going to be absolutely epic the first time I saw it. <laughs> Thank you, Tom Hooper! The graphics. Oh. That, that, sir, that merchant galley on its side in the Bay of Toulon. 
Yeah. They are at the southern tip of France. It's like near Saint-Tropez and Monaco and Marseille, down there on the Mediterranean. And we are in the Bagne de Toulon. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which just, I guess, means Toulon prison. I don't know. And all the prisoners are pulling this galley in to dock, right? The sky, the city. Like, these graphics are just so good. They did such a good job. And yes, this is Look Down. You'll always be a slave. Oh no! You're don't look him in the eye. You're here till you die. You're standing in your grave. That's like, awful. Go go off, Elaine Beauce. Talk to me about our hero, Ross. Jean Valjean was imprisoned when he was a child. Five years for stealing a loaf of bread to feed his starving sister and her family. Oh my god. And he was given 14 more years for attempting to escape so many times. All he did was try to feed the starving. He was not guilty of a real crime. No, it's a survival crime. He was guilty of a capitalist crime. Yeah, like, just because something is technically illegal doesn't make it immoral, folks. Like, he has now been in this prison for 19 years. Yeah. And he is famously prisoner number 24601. They get, once they get it all in and then they're like what, filing in to go inside mm-hmm. and there's Inspector Javert. <laughs> oh no. Russell Inspector Crow. <laughs> he stops Valjean specifically. Retrieve the flag. Valjean walks over to where this gigantic French flag mast is laying in the water. And he picks it up by himself. He's so fucking strong. Well, that's what being in prison for 19 years will do to you. Did you notice his arms? <laughs> do you know? He, Are you really asking me he that? He looks like a skeleton. They're so warped. Oh, you're the talking s- about his forearms, the not his biceps. S- the skin is so warped on his arms. From the chains. And from the chains and from... Towing colossal ships into port, I guess. You're right. In the middle of a storm. Yeah. He picks up that whole thing. I love the shot of the flag being dragged through the water. Mm-hmm. And he drops it right in front of Javert, and the singing begins. A note about the singing. <laughs> okay. Viewing this film, guys, you become comfortable as you go along. It's off-putting at first because they're singing everything. And it's like, how do I take it seriously? You do. Yeah. I promise you, you do. This score is just so beautiful that way. Now, prisoner 24601, your time is up and your parole's begun. You know what that means. Yes, he's am free. No. Follow to the letter your itinerary. This badge of shame will show it till you die. It warns you're a dangerous man. Stole a loaf of bread. Jean Valjean and Javert have beef. Like, I don't really know what it is initially about Valjean that bothers Javert so much. I think it's because he knows he's truly innocent. I mean, maybe. Of, of a vic, you know, of he's innocent 
of a, you know, what was a victimless crime, you know? Yeah, like, I just, I don't understand why Javert has such a bee in his bonnet about JVJ, as yeah. I've <laughs> referred to him as my, in my notes. JVJ, no, we will get into it as we go along Yeah, here, we though. will. But today is a good day for Jean Valjean because he is being set free. Yeah. But here's the thing. <laughs> He's going to be a marked man for the rest of his life. On parole for the rest of his life. Yeah, and uh, marked as a day dangerous man. He must carry these yellow papers stating that he is dangerous, unemployable, and not to be trusted. Like, yeah, it's crazy. And he has to constantly check in with the government every few months. How are you expected to live? Exactly. He's, and you know what? He does get released, but he's bitter. He's angry. He's resentful and vindictive because of the way people treat him. You know, people shun him. He's beaten by law enforcement and he's starving and he can't work anywhere. No and, one wants a criminal in their enterprise. And so he has taken refuge in the uh, on the doorstep of a convent in Danier. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Bishop Muriel. Yes. Uh, appears to him. And guys, this is spectacular fan service. It really is! For, for lovers of this musical to get this film after waiting 30 years. Because not only is Calm Wilkinson the original Jean Valjean, but the bishop as a character... Oh, I know. ...is also the voice of God in Jean Valjean's life. Exactly. And it, that's just so beautifully... Tom, that was <laughs> such a great fucking decision. It was a great move, buddy! Come and suffer, you are weary. And the night is cold out here. Though our lives are very humble, what we have, we have to share. So Valjean's like, oh my God, yeah, I will gobble up anything you give me. And like... (laughs) Poor thing. The bishop's living there with, like, a nun and a woman who cooks for them, you know? like Yeah. It's just, like, those three of them there living at this monastery at the top of this mountain in Denier? Donier. Donier, I'm sorry. (laughs) Spell Digny. I know. (laughs) Fuck you, G's in French. Valjean steals the silverware at night and makes off with it. Another survival crime. And you know what? I'm like, damn, you're playing it fast and loose. You want another 20 years? Yeah, seriously. Oh, but, but I mean, like, he's doing what he needs to to survive. Mm-hmm. And we understand that. Why do you think socialism's so popular in France today? <laughs> For real. <laughs> like, literally. He's captured and returned by the police. <laughs> Had the nerve to say you gave him this. Oh, the police are so shitty. Thank you, British French man. Yeah, no, seriously. The bishop vouches for Valjean. Yeah, this this was so wild for me. He was like, yeah, I did give him this shit. Also, you forgot these two priceless silver candlesticks. Those women are so mad at him for giving those candlesticks to Jean Valjean. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, oh, wait, wait. It's the only pretty thing I get to look at all day. But you forget, I gave these also. Yeah. Oh, my God. But remember this, my brother. Seeing this some higher plan, you must use this precious silver to become an honest man. The bishop says he must use the silver to become an honest man. And he also tells him, I've saved your soul in God's eyes. <laughs> he really did. Like, let's, like, let's even for a moment... Forget that anybody believes that God exists, okay? Mm-hmm. Just for taking God out of the equation entirely, 
the what the bishop did for him is an immeasurable plus in humanity. Yeah, no, and it sh- really shouldn't be, should it? Yeah, I know. Like it the, should be the bare fucking minimum because but... he because the bishop knows he has what he needs. He's not going to miss that money. Yeah, because money doesn't matter to him. Exactly, and it should matter a whole lot less to us as people. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. And like it just it's at this point in the film when I first watched it for the first time, I began to start welling. Really? You know, I was just like, oh, damn. Like, it's the combination of the music and the lyrics, which, I'm sorry, that's literally a musical. Um, But, like, (laughs) sorry, but, like, by the witness of the martyrs, of the passion of the blood, God has raised you out of darkness. I've saved your soul for God. So, of course, this makes JVJ, like, really look at himself, right? Valjean is super upset at himself in What Have I Done? Yeah, What Have I Done, Sweet Jesus, What Have I Done? Great performance by Hugh Jackman was his favorite number to film. Really? Mm -hmm. This was his favorite performance in the film. One word from him and I'd be back Beneath the lash upon the rack Instead he offers me my freedom I feel my shame inside me like a knife. He told me that I had a soul. How does he know? It is a very emotional performance. And while he might not be singing every single syllable of this, it's beautifully woven in between singing and crying and despairing and the acting. Like At least he's on tempo, and that cannot be said for everyone. Again, that's the thing about doing this live. I feel like it just takes so much pressure. Like in a musical, Jean Valjean's going to stop and start singing to the audience, you know? Yeah. But he's not singing to anyone. He's just singing in his life, you know? Like, yeah. And he's, yeah, he's really upset at himself. He's like, wow, I, I'm a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> why did I do that? Why did I steal that nice man's silver? I know it was to survive, but like, wow, he saved my soul. Like, And so he denounces who he is as a person? Yeah, if you can get past his nasal intonation and his shoddy vibrato, like... <laughs> The lyric, he told me that I have a soul. Yeah. How does he know? How does he know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And I feel that. Like, when people try to convert me to Christianity or, like, tell me that, have I heard the good word today? <laughs> and I'm like, you need to save your soul. And I'm like, what do you know about my soul? Even in this moment, he's been handed down this huge kindness in the name of God Almighty. And he's like, I don't know, man. I still don't know if I should trust it. Like... <laughs> How does he know that I have a soul? I hardly know that I have a soul. I've been told I'm shit my entire life. Which is why he takes those papers that identify him as Jean Valjean the criminal and literally tears them up. Escape now from that world, from the world of Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean is nothing now. You could just do that. Whatever papers identified you as a human being, you could just tear them up and move somewhere else and become another person. New person just dropped. (laughs) And as his papers fly into the air and that music begins, my soul fills to the brim.
because how many years later is this, Ross? All right, as we start, as we, st- I love that bird's eye view of the mountain and then straight down into the ground. Yes. Eight years later, 1823, in Montreal. This takes us into at the end of the day. Montreal is at the northern tip of France. <laughs> he has traversed the entire length of France to become another person. And yes, we are meeting the lovely denizens of Montreal. When it comes to the citizens of Montreal, people either got nothing at all or what they have is meager and unsatisfying. This is France and it's the Regency era and everyone's poor and sad and unhappy and just surviving and existing and would probably be better better off dead. Hard times in France, guys. (laughs) And they still hope because they're French. But no one is French! Yeah, I know. They're all (laughs) British. Drink every time I say no one is French. But, like, I love the lyrics of the song, the way like, when it, like, at the end of the day, it's one day less to be living. Yes. (laughs) One day nearer to dying. (laughs) This life is awful. At the end of the day, you're another day older. And that's all you can say for the life of the poor. But like, it's like this, it's the, it's this analyzation of the French people, right? They, they were in revolution for so many years because they were in this constant stasis between fear and hope. Exactly. You know, and sound it, familiar? Exactly. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and one of the best jobs you could have in those days was being in a workhouse or a factory, right? That was steady, constant work. We see the interior of Monsieur Madeleine's textile factory, where women work as seamstresses, including one fond. Anne Hathaway. Fontaine. The women bully Anne Hathaway. Wow. The women bully Fontaine. (laughs) Pardon me. No, that's what I have. I I have everyone is slut-shaming Fontaine for having a child out of wedlock. And what a weird little innocent sister. No. Oh, come on, Fontaine. Let's have all the news. Dear Fontaine, you must send us more money. Your child needs a doctor. There's no time to lose. Stupid, because as you said while we were watching it, the idea that people could be slut-shamed in the name of God, God created sex before he created marriage. Exactly. <laughs> what, like, what do you not understand? What, like, Why are we slut-shaming this woman for just happening to, have a, for happening to have a child whose father is no longer in the picture? They use this information to get this poor woman put out of her job. Give the letter to me. It is none of your business. Put the husband at home in a bit on the side. Oh. Is there anyone here who can swear before God she has nothing to fear, she has nothing to hide? Mr. Madeline's here. And like, guys, <laughs> JVJ is here. Yeah, no, guys. Monsieur Madeleine, who is also the mayor of Montreal. <laughs> you know, back then when you had the most profitable business in town, they just made you the mayor. Yeah. Um, he's here to be like, hey, this is a fucking place of business. Stop scream singing. I'm like, Jean oh Valjean, <laughs> come on, buddy. And then as he's like looking around at everyone, he spots someone in his office. 
It's Inspector Javert. Oh, no. It's Javert. <laughs> he's darkening our doorway again. So he's like, uh, Foreman, will you deal with this uh, rebel rousing? I have to go. Um, <laughs> talk to the cop. Yeah, I have to go talk to this cop that's in my office. And, the, you know, promptly the foreman throws Fontaine out on her ass. Yeah, just for being a woman. Just for being a woman. And Fontaine's like, please don't. I have a child that I have to provide for. She lives with an innkeeper and his wife. I send them money. What's the matter with, with that? that? Yeah, <laughs> something like, like that. Like, literally, this is the definition. Definition of mind your business. Yeah, for real. Mind your business. Right, my girl. On your way. But they throw her out on her ass for it. Oh my god. Yeah, her daughter Cosette, her father abandoned them and they fell on hard times and so she left them she left Cosette with an uh, innkeeper in Montfermeil, which yeah. is just east of Paris. Like it's part of Paris today, but Paris wasn't that big back then. It just oh, it sucks so much and we'll get back to why it sucks so much, but yeah, talk about Jean Valjean and Javert being in his office. Okay, so <clears throat> Javert is here to serve as the town's new inspector. Of course he is. That's the thing I hate about this story, is that Javert is just here when crime is happening. Exactly. Just inexplicably for no reason. And Javert also notes that Monsieur Madeleine is familiar. Yeah. And like, outside, this horse cart falls on this guy named Vaucheville Levant. That, Fauche- that was a good try. Vaucheville Levant? <laughs> yeah, sure. Vaucheville Levant. Vaucheville Levant. So Chevrolet is pinned under <laughs> a cart outside, and the mayor of the town is rushing to help him. No one else will help him. Javert, well, there are people trying, but they can't lift the cart. Yeah. The only one strong around, the only one big enough to tow that thing is Big Al. <laughs> big Al. How did I fit a Cars reference into Les Mis? Jean Valjean is, is the big, big Al, Al of Montreal. Absolutely. Because he, he spent all those years in prison. And he, like he Javert runs out after him and. Madeleine lifts the whole thing off this man as Javert is witnessing it. I don't believe what I see. A man your age. To be as strong as you are. A memory stirs. You make me think of a man from years ago. A man who broke his parole. And I'm like, okay, all right, Javert, <laughs> stop thinking. Stop thinking about it. Like, this is one guy, you know? Yeah. Jean Valjean is one man, and Javert, for the rest of the show, is going to fixate on Jean Valjean. Yeah, and Madeline's like, okay, what of it? And Javert's <laughs> like, you're right, you're right, what of it? I have no idea what I'm talking about. Exactly. You're the mayor, I'm not going to accuse you of being a felon, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. One of my favorite sung lines in this, your face is not a face I would forget. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You know, Madeline is praised and loved by his people, and I think Javert just finds that a little annoying. (laughs) Okay. You know? I get it. So now we enter the sequence that leads to Fontaine's just obliteration and destruction. Oh, boy. And I can remember how quickly my elevator dropped as this whole sequence started. No, Ross, okay, you, you talked about your first time crying. This is the moment in the theater I started crying and look at me with both eyes. 
I did not stop crying. Yeah, I know. I was either sobbing or leaking throughout the rest of this movie. Down to the docks we go. Yeah, with no other choice, Fontaine is forced to sell her hair to pay for Cosette's existence with the innkeepers. It pays a debt. Just think of that. What can I do? It pays a debt. Ten francs may save my poor corset. Ghostly ladies waiting in the dark, ready for a thick one or a quick one in the park. This is all so gross, but they make it look so fun. I, stop! You know, you're, fun? you're right. A, a, a wig maker woman tells Fontaine her hair is pretty and she'll give her 10 francs for it. And guess what? It pays a debt. <laughs> it pays a debt. Yeah. 10 francs will save my poor corset. A man gives her 40 francs for two of her back teeth. Oh, no. And guys... Technically, she's already sold her body, right? Yeah, and the sex workers almost coerce her into sex work with naval officers. Survival sex work, specifically. You're not grander than the rest of us. Like, okay, ladies. Oh, boy. And yeah, lovely ladies. It haunts me, Ross. It really does. That's right, dearie. Let him have the Guys, Fontaine just deteriorates as a character. Like, she j- join your sisters, make money in your sleep. It's awful. Like, she looks dead already. Yeah, that's the thing. At this point, like, she, her whole head is fucked up, shaven down. Her, her, she's pale as fuck, skin's waxy. You know, she's taking drugs to numb the fucking pain of being out here in winter, selling her fucking body, literally parts of her body. Yeah, no, guys, again, sex work is valid as long as it is someone's choice, but otherwise, it's human trafficking. Yeah, and I'm sorry, like, can we call this sex work? Like, this is rape. It's survival sex work, and in survival sex work, yes, you can be sexually assaulted, and I'm sure Fontaine was many times. Like, they're talking about how, the, when the ladies are talking about how, like, you're going to make love to the leaders of the land. No. You know, oh my all it God. takes is money in your hand. Come like, now, Captain, you can wear your shoes. It was tears from here. Yeah, no, it really was. It was tears from here. Because she ends up in the hull of that boat, right? Yeah. Right after she has Congress with the captain, and he leaves her down there in that boat. Easy money. Lying on a bed Just as well They never see the hate That's in your head Don't they Know they're making Love to one already Dead And y'all Here it is The fucking incident (laughs) And and just the, the rape And then the drop of the coin And just then one of the most touching performances ever filmed on camera. 
Guys. This is that act one moment. Yeah, it in is. In the show. Like. Do you see me getting already ready to cry? Yeah, I know. It, it you, you, <laughs> I remember you crying in the theater when we saw it for the first time. And I was just like, do I do anything? <laughs> and I was like, I can't because the movie's just going to keep happening. Well, and when, she, we, when we were watching it last night, I loved Hales. They made me feel better in this moment. They were like, how'd they fit a whole orchestra in this boat? Stop. <laughs> I dreamed a dream in time gone by When hope was high and life worth living I dreamed that love would never die I dreamed that God would be forgiving She does the majority of this number to the camera. Yeah. And it just this whole time, the music, the lyrics, it's just wrenching you limb from limb and the strings and the harp. And, you know, I could remember, I could actually feel my 16-year-old heart coming apart yeah. watching this for the first time. That poor woman. And you, the way you were like, she was the first actress to win an Oscar for sob singing. For sob singing, absolutely. Like It was really good. She did her mama proud. And Annie won that Oscar. She sure did. She, she deserved it. She won this motherfucking Oscar. And it might not be, guys, the best performance of this very famous piece of music that exists, but it is 100% effective on camera and still performed very well by someone totally in character without that stop and sing element yeah. that is in a musical. She is 100% in it. She is feeling it. She is actually crying. I'm I'm actually crying. You know, we actually haven't said it yet. This is I Dreamed a Dream. <laughs> yeah. I dreamed a dream and then I died. Stop. Sorry. Sorry. You're right. But through this song, we learn how Fontaine's baby daddy used all of her youth and energy and left her destitute with this child and how she dreams that he'll change his mind one day and return to her. <laughs> With the bee where the tear comes down her face. What a great shot. Stop. <laughs> we have to talk about the movie. <laughs> there are storms we cannot weather. I had a dream my life would be. Now life has killed the dream I dream. So, I'm absolutely pissing and shitting and crying and vomiting at this point. Also, Susan Boyle. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> that cultural reset. That was the first time I became aware of I dreamed a dream. And then for the next four years of my life, it was in every audition I ever went into. Yeah, for real. You know, I just think at the end of the song, I'm constantly thinking about all of the sex workers and officers that are standing outside the ship wide-eyed, like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, for real. <laughs> it is winter, and poor Fontaine is dying. There's this motherfucker 
What's his name? You had his name. Batambois. Batambois? Batambois. He's a John. Yeah, Batambois, who is played by Bertie Carvel, who's notable for winning the Tony for playing Agatha Trunchbull in the original Broadway production of Matilda. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. Like, she attacks this man because he assaults her. Yeah. He, like, shoves ice down her dress. And, like, she scratches him across the face. And Javert's here. Yeah. Just in time to arrest Fontaine for shoving a dirty fuck off of her. And here's the thing. Again, we're going to be very kind to Russell throughout this, but he does fuck this up. Because this is the TikTok sound that plays all the time. Tell me quickly what's the story. Who saw what and why and where? Let him give a full description. Let him answer to Javert. He's going too slow. Like, come on, buddy. Javert has no humanity within him. He believes that he has risen above everybody. Yeah. And it's because he started in the gutter. We'll get back to that soon. We'll talk more about that. And, like, just poor Fontaine. Oh, God, is there no mercy? She's like, please don't do this to me. I have a child who will die without my financial support. I don't know if Madeline was Valjean. I don't know if Madeline was following Javert or why the fuck he's down here. That's what I have. And, of course, Jean Valjean is here, too. Like, he's hearing Fontaine tell Javert all of her horrible history. And he's like, he comes up to Javert and he's like, listen, I believe her. Yeah, I believe women. And I'm Jean Valjean. Yeah. No, he doesn't say that. (laughs) He doesn't say that. But Jean Valjean believes women. And we love that. And the way he's like, he turns to Fontaine and he's like, well, how did you get into this situation? (laughs) He's like, I know you. (laughs) And you used to work for me. No, that's the thing. He's like, how'd you get here? And she's like, well, listen, asshole. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Monsieur, don't mock me now I pray it's hard enough I've lost my pride you let your format send me away yes you were there and turned aside (laughs) I can remember jumping back in my seat when this happened you let your form and send me away and i'm like whoa man whoa <laughs> oh, no. i'm like well, i'm like oh she's mad she's yes, mad you were there <laughs> and i'm like oh damn so of course jean valjean feels responsible yeah, fontaine's like says you did nothing to help me last time why are you here yeah exactly you know, why are you trying to help now and so he scoops her up in his arms and he takes her to a doctor valjean's like them's the breaks <laughs> in his name my task has just begun exactly my task has just begun i will take her to the hospital monsieur le maire where is your child with the innkeeper for me i will send for her immediately i will see it She tells him her daughter is with an innkeeper in Montfermé, which is near Paris. And Jean Valjean's like, I will bring her to you. And (laughs) Javert, 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 still not knowing that Madeleine is Valjean, um, tells Madeleine in very remorseful tones that he actually reported him as being Jean Valjean and that he feels really bad about it because Jean's already been captured. The French police believe they've already captured Jean Valjean, the fugitive. And Valjean, posing as Madeleine, 
He's like, oh shit, really? Yeah. He already caught him? He already caught And he, you know, Javert's like, press charges against me. Yeah. Like, I fucked you over. I'm so sorry about that. And Madeline says, okay, it's okay. It's an honest mistake. Go about your business. But it's also like, oh, fuck, I'm Valjean. Yeah. Am I really going to let an innocent man go to prison in my name? My soul belongs to God, I know. I made that bargain long ago. He gave me hope when hope was gone. He gave me strength to journey on. Who am I? Who am I? Jean-Belchon. But then he's also like, why should I write this wrong? I mean... It ain't my dumbass that arrested the wrong person, like... I just... I mean, but how can he ever face God again, right? Exactly. If I speak, I am condemned. If I stay silent, I am damned. You're fucked if you do, and you're fucked if you don't. Can I abandon my workers? How will they live if I'm not free? Don't be a capitalist, John. (laughs) They will live without you. But it's France in the 1800s! This takes us into who am I? Who am I? (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, we got a dilemma. We got... Do- oh, criminy, not another moral dilemma! Do we do the right thing, or do we damn our soul for God again? Exactly! He looks like he's packing, by the way, when he's singing this song, and I'm like, please tell me you're about to do the right thing. And I remember this, Where this is where I began to fall in love with this music. Yeah? With this score. Okay. All I knew of Les Mis was I Dreamed a Dream. Yeah. Before I saw this movie. Because of Susan Boyle. And then he, yeah, he storms into that trial, which is being held in a church. Fuck Catholicism. That's all I'll say. <laughs> okay. And so, Your Honor, you see it's true. This man bears no more guilt than you. Who am I? Two, four, six, five. Damn, Hugh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, Wait, and- here's what I have, though. Because, again, when we watched this, I looked at you and I was like, what is happening here? I know. He's confessing to being Jean Valjean. So shouldn't he be immediately carted off to jail? In the book, he does go back to prison at this point. Even though he promised Fontaine he'd take care of her kid. But he fakes his death very quickly and is declared dead. And Tom Hooper was like, let's just skate over all of that. Yeah, no, we like the chase. Yeah, yeah, I understand. (laughs) And like... Valjean's like, tell Javert it's me. I'll be at the hospital. Where things are going super great. Um, Oh no, Ross! Fontaine is delirious from disease. It's never specified. We believe it's syphilis. Yeah, you and I are of the position that of course it's syphilis because not only is she feverish and weak, but she's delirious. Yeah, no, she thinks Cosette is there. Yeah, syphilis at its end stages without treatment will literally eat holes in your brain. Killed Ben Franklin. Yeah, it sure did. That ancient fuck. I know. (laughs) But in this case, like, Fontaine, without any remedy, has just been left to languish in a bed in a hospital. And yeah, Ross, when she thinks she sees her daughter there with her, Mm -hmm. I'm sobbing. Come to me, Cosette, the light is fading, don't you see, the evening star appearing. 
Valjean comes to Fontaine, and at this point, I'm liquefied and in the cracks of the floor in the very dirt below where I sit and watch this poor woman fade away. Like, Valjean tells Fontaine that he will care for Cosette in her place when she is gone. Tells her, be at peace forevermore. If you need to let go, you let go. I will take care of that child. I will make sure that child, when he he says, she will want for nothing. Yeah, Russ, that's the thing. That's the whole reason why Fontaine is hanging on is because of her daughter. Like, and she... this man appears and says, I'll, I've got you, babe. Yeah, yeah, he says, you're in pain. You can let go if you need to. How profoundly upsetting. Yeah, P.U., she will live in my protection. <laughs> oh, my God. Good, monsieur. You come from God. I love her and I'll see her when I wake. And guys, she dies. It's awful the way, like, she just, she has a smile on her face, Ross, mm-hmm. when she goes. She's thinking of her daughter. <laughs> I'm sorry. Of, yeah. I'll, I, I'll get it together. I'm so sorry. But guess what? I have written, Javert is here to bother. Javert's here. This is confrontation. Okay. <laughs> They're going to spar around a little bit. Javert is just mad. He's mad that Valjean was Valjean the whole time. He tricked him. And yeah, he like uh, Javert is pissed because he was right the first time and he's not having it. I was born inside a jail. I was born with scum like you. I am from the gutter too. You know nothing of Javert. I was was born born inside inside a jail. jail. I was born with scum like you. I am from the gutter too. I mean, really, that is the whole reason he is the way that he is, right? Yeah, imagine this. Someone with authority who thinks they're better than everybody (laughs) because they started there. And somehow rose above it. Yeah, and like, I mean, honestly, it's the th- it's the thing where I am very frustrated in the sense that I hate who he is now, but I fundamentally understand why he ended up this way, in- right? Indeed, indeed. Is it his fault entirely? Of course not. But now he's an adult and he could make different decisions and he's just gonna not. Valjean's away, escaped again. And um, this is gonna take us into Castle on a Cloud. That's literally my next line. My next line in all capital letters. Poor Cassette. It's Christmas time in Montfermeil. Of course it is. And at the end of the Thénardiers, little Cosette is sweeping the floor and she's singing about this place she's invented in her head as a coping mechanism for being abused all the time because she lives with the Thénardiers and not with her mother. No, that's what I have. She's literally living as an actual Cinderella to the Thénardiers. I know a place where no one's lost I know a place where no one cries Crying at all is not allowed No 
not in my castle on a cloud. Crying at all is not allowed. Not, not in, in my, my castle, castle on a cloud. That broom is so big and she's so tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it makes me hurt. When Madame Thenardier appears. Oh, HBC. 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 Now look who's here. The little madam herself, pretending once again she's been so awfully good. Better not let me catch you slacking. Better not catch my eye. Ten rotten French your mother sends me. What is that going to buy? <laughs> Does like, it get any more evil stepmother than that? I know. Uh, yeah, we meet the Tenardiers who mistreat little Cosette, but love their own dear Eponine, their own daughter, who they spoil rot. And Eponine is dressed better. She looks well cared for. She looks better fed. You yeah, know, like I just, I hate, I hate everything. And that's the thing. It's not really explained here in the movie, but in the book, a lot of the Tenardiers' demands of Fontaine are fictitious. Really? And exploitative. Just to get more money just out of her. Just to get more money out of her. They literally killed her. Like, they, they literally helped to kill her. They claim that Cosette is constantly ill, which she's not, and they think they can get more money out of Fontaine by claiming she's ill. Yeah, just let that woman waste away. Yeah. God! Uh, oh, by the way, uh, Fontaine was put in a public grave. Yeah, no! With oh no name. With no name. Just like Mozart. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Poor Fontaine. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. Um, no, ma- we're laughing because the goofy number is about to happen. Yeah, Madame Thenardier is going to send Cosette uh, to the well in the middle of the woods for water in winter by herself. Yeah. Yeah, and then this takes us into Master of the House because we're going to meet Monsieur Thenardier. I have God, Sasha Baron Cohen is here. Sasha Baron Cohen is one of those entertainers who is very, very funny but makes you cringe so hard you might just collapse in on yourself. <laughs> I.e. Borat. Welcome, monsieur. Sit yourself down and meet the best innkeeper in town. As for the rest, all of them crooks, rookings, guests, and cookies and books. <laughs> I bet he's fun as hell to work with, though. No, like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, when it comes to Monsieur Tenardier, like... One word. Scoundrel. Yeah, he, honestly, every stereotype you've ever seen about a crooked innkeeper <laughs> who's just here to cheat and rob you. <laughs> this is this is a history joke, but... <laughs> Tenardier is the worst shit in the Seven Kingdoms. <laughs> <laughs> The seven different kingdoms of France. Yes. Like, oh, my, oh my God. Like, and the, the, the thing is that he has no qualms for who he'll, you know, fleece in his pursuits. They're t- the Tenardiers are just, they are, they're scoundrels. They're disgusting people. They're mm. worthless shits. Absolutely. And they t- avoid of shit, as you often uh, say. Avoid of shit. And, they, t- and they, ex- they demonstrate to us all of this in Master of the House. Food beyond compare, food beyond belief. Mix it in a mincer and pretend it's beef. Kidney of a horse, liver of a cat. Filling up the sausages with this and that. Presents of welcome. Right of sweet is occupied. Reasonable charges plus some little extras on the side. The thing about Tenardier and the way Sasha Baron Cohen is doing it is he is pretending to sound French, but then speaking normally 
when he's not trying to harass people. It's like he's in a British, I say normally, in a British accent. Yeah, no, it's like he's an Englishman who's come here and is pretending to be French to endear the population to him. And I like to think that that is um, a private joke of the cast. Yeah. That Sasha Baron Cohen takes up. Yeah. Is that, okay, I'm going to pretend to be French, but even though we're actually English people, you exactly. know? Like, no, but, like, he's even fleecing Santa. Okay, the, these people are, uh, they're, they're pickpockets. Yeah. Uh, this is really Oliver Twist shit right here, you know? <laughs> you make a person look somewhere so you can take something out of their back pocket. You drop something on the floor so they'll lean over and pick it up for you, and you take something out of their fucking pocket. That moment when he's distracting the people who are coming into the inn, yeah. and, like... Two other people pick up the baby carriage and walk away. The way you were yelling, baby, someone's getting away with that baby. Someone go get that baby. They're pissing in the liquor to make it fuller. Ew. They're grinding up miscellaneous meats to serve in pies. The way you freaked out during that part. You, it's ve- I can't watch it. You could not watch like it. I don't like watching the miscellaneous oh. meat, including someone's limb, come out of the grinder. And it's very Sweeney Todd. It is. <laughs> and would you believe they bring Santa Claus into this? Thought they steal the Father Christmas from out front talking to kids <laughs> so we can come inside and get laid. Oh, Santa. Oh, Santa. <laughs> He's charging it. them for having lice and dysentery and for sleeping with the windows shut. Charging for the mice. Extra for the lice, 2% for looking in the mirror twice. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, like, I know this was chemistry that did not need to be touched. Oh, HBC and SBC forever. Here's the thing. When Helena Bonham Carter does her little solo towards the end, and she's, like, seducing that guy. I used to dream that I was my prince, but God almighty... Have you seen what's happened since? What? Master of the house isn't worth my spare. Comforter, philosopher, and lifelong shit. I wrote, they got no reason to make me feel this way right now. Madame Thenardier wishes that she would have risen higher in life. Here's the thing, though. She makes do with her lifestyle, and because she truly does love that scoundrel. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like in this movie, she's, like, putting it on for that guy she's trying to seduce, but she actually does love the game and love the con, right? She really does love that awful innkeeper. She's a child abuser. Why am I attracted to her right now? Don't be attracted to the child abuser. (laughs) This is where I wrote, is this satire that no one is French? woods 
Cosette is no doubt trying to fetch water so that she isn't punished tonight by being forced to collect sex work cuts. Um, mm. and, yeah, and it's also winter. There's no water coming out of that well. Yeah, it's frozen. And then, hello, Daddy Jackman. Oh. <laughs> I hate that you awed at that. <laughs> no, I know. I... I wanted you to scold me, but like. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I don't know what part of my Aww. unnurtured childhood that came from, but yeah, whatever. Valjean shows up, no doubt freezing, because he just got out of a river, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he's here. He's here to say hello to Cosette. And Valjean brings Cosette back to the inn and is literally like, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? <laughs> I, this is a child. Boy, have you lost your mind because I help you find it. Like, And here's the thing. He offers them a banknote for Cosette. I don't know what the exact amount is. 1,500 francs. 1,500 francs. This is a duty I must heed, for I was blind to one in need. Yeah. You know, they try to bamboozle him even further. This makes me bust because, you know, Miss... He's not falling for it. No, he's not falling for it, but Ms. Thrandier or whatever her fuck her name Tenardier. is. Tenardier. Tenardier. Like, you know, both of them are like, listen, that would be enough money if she hadn't been so sick. Yeah, yeah. That would quite fit the bill if she hadn't so often been ill. Little dear, cost us dear. Medicines are expensive, monsieur. <coughs> Not that we <coughs> begrudge to sue. <coughs> it's no more than we Christians must do. And then they're like trying to like make coughing noises like behind her head. Mm -hmm. That makes me bust. Yeah, Valjean <laughs> gives the Tenardiers fifteen hundred francs to take Cosette away from them. And oh, you know how she was eyeing that dolly. In yeah. the store across the street. He buys the dolly for her. In the book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well he does in the movie, too. Oh, I missed that yeah. entirely. He, when he's when he's kneeling down and handing her the doll, because remember her other doll in Castle, by a in Castle on a Cloud? It's it was literally just, like just rags. It's a twisted up rag. But this is an actual dolly all painted up and the hair done. and The likes of which she's never had got before. Got a beautiful little tiny miniature petticoat on and, you know. Farewell, Cosette. It's Cosette. And open. It's for you. Where I go, you will be. Will you be like a papa to me? Yes, Cosette. This is true. I'll be father and mother to you. He tells Cosette that her mother is with God now. Oh. You know. I'm going to be your daddy now. <laughs> And, like, you know, he's away with her. And the Tenardiers are like, bye, Colette. <laughs> oh, wait, Cosette. Yeah, no, yeah. they can't get her name right. Yeah. <laughs> it's Cosette. <laughs> oh, darling, Colette, it's Cosette, <laughs> says Helena Bottom Carter. <laughs> and Valjean, here he is. Javert's here. Oh, for ja some reason. Javert Rice pulls right up on that horse. Where's the child, Cosette? Yeah, because he knows Jean Valjean's looking for her. Yeah. And so th this takes us into Suddenly. Oh, this was the song that was written for the film. Yeah, Cla Claude, Claude Michel Schomburg and Alain Bobril uh, decided that they'd write another banger for the score. Because, you know, the, the musical already has 40 musical numbers. It needs 41. Yeah, for sure. So... Um, <laughs> 
And you know what? It is a lovely number. It is. It is. We we needed a Valjean um, has purpose now number, I guess. Yeah. You know, because now he's got to care for this child. And like his main refrain in this whole song is, you know, how the fuck am I supposed to protect this child in this filthy goddamn helpless world <laughs> now that I have her and I'm still a marked man? You are brought the gift of life and love so long denied me. Suddenly I see what I could not see. Something suddenly has begun. I love that it ends the same way memory does. Has begun. Yeah. And like, they're trying to enter Paris. Yeah, through the north gate of Paris. They're taking the shortest road out of here into Paris. You're never going to guess who's waiting for him at the gate. <laughs> Is it Javert? It's Javert. He's here again. He chases them into the... Vic- they literally have to, like, bail out of the carriage they're in. And Valjean chases them into the vicinity of this convent. Oh the anger and frustration that Javert must feel. Like when they're running along that promenade mm-hmm. and he is coming after them on a horse and I'm like, you better fucking do something. And he's like, here, child, leap with me. And like, <laughs> they leap off the side of that building. like, And like they hide on the roof of the convent. Yeah, he like uses a rope to like climb the building and then hoist her up just in time for Javert to miss them. Yeah. And then they somehow get down from those walls into the convent and he's carrying her into the graveyard and there's a there's a gardener and he's digging in the he's digging in the graveyard and wouldn't you know it the groundskeeper is the guy who Jean Valjean saved from being crushed by the wagon Fauchel Levent whatever Fauchel Levent Chevrolet Chevrolet's back Chevrolet is back so wrong of me I'm sorry France I'm really sorry there's plenty of things you can make fun of America for. No, I, I, like, we are the ugliest. We are the ugliest people on the face of the earth. Um, <laughs> God. Thanks for the help, by the way. Yeah. Um, Sorry we it, left you in the lurch there. <laughs> Monsieur le maire, who are you? Fauchelevent. I fell under my cart. You saved my life, Monsieur Fauchelevent. We need a place of sanctuary, this child and I. We need, I need to disappear. We'll give thanks for what is granted, what the sisters may ordain. Chevrolet is like, oh my God, <laughs> Monsieur Le Maire? Yeah. And, and John's like, listen, we need to disappear. Like, wisp- he literally whispers, we need to disappear. And then starts shout singing. <laughs> and that's where I wrote, shh, will you be quiet? <laughs> There, Javert is literally right outside. Oh my God! And he just starts shouting vibrato. We need to disappear. Thank you, sir. <laughs> or whatever. And I know we haven't talked a lot about literary themes and pacing up to this point, but the thing is, is that Jean Valjean. Whether he was wrong or right in assuming he was a bad person, he is regularly seeing the rewards of his kindness 
come back to him throughout this story. Indeed. I know he goes through a lot, but when he decides to be a good person... It's great karma. It does. It's great karma for him because he saved this man from death, and now that man is going to, in turn, save him and this child that he's taken on from being captured by the police. He helped Valjean disappear. Yeah. Again. Again. (laughs) Jean Valjean, I think, starts his life over no less than three times. Yeah, throughout the whole thing. Throughout yeah. the whole thing? Yeah. Don Draper could never. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, like, it's no wonder that Javert hates him so much. Yeah, guys, this takes us into stars. Okay. Um, Javert, like the psycho he is, decides to play around on the roof of the state house. <laughs> out in the darkness, a fugitive running. Fallen from God, fallen from grace, God be my witness. Do you remember when we went to visit Notre Dame when we went to Paris? Of course I do. Notre Dame is situated on this island in the middle of the Seine River that flows through the middle of Paris. And there's this building that is across from Notre Dame that I don't know the actual name of the building or the structure, but it used to house, I believe, the French legislature. And I do you remember when we went to Notre Dame and I didn't give a shit about the goddamn cathedral. You didn't. I just wanted to look at that building where French parliament used to sit before the revolution. The building that is representative of French law that Javert is, is now- standing on top of looking at the Notre Dame. Yes. Like. <laughs> and I was like, I remember walking that way and you were like, Ross, we're not going that way. And I'm like, I am. This is the Stars building. Because you're right. Javert's standing on top of this building, representative of the law of France, yeah. looking at the building that is representative of God in France. Yeah. And like the way that he is standing on the edge of this roof, literally walking the line between the edge of the roof and oblivion. Like, Javert? I just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. It's just the symbolism of it is grand. Stars in your multitudes scarce to be counted filling the darkness with order and light you are the sentinels silent and sure keeping watch in the night keeping watch in the night you know your place in the sky. You hold your course and your aim. I hate to insert another Game of Thrones callback here. Okay. But Javert thinks he knows what is good. Yeah? He thinks he knows what is good and who is good in the world. Of course. And he is set in that belief. He believes he will be rewarded for his loyalty to the powers that be. The law. Yeah. And Mine is the way of the law. Stars are the sentinels, silent and sure, keeping watch in the night. Keeping watch in the night. So Javert is basically taking this opportunity to tell us as the audience he's a goddamn motherfucking star. (laughs) And he should be considered one. And that Valjean is bad and he is good. Uh Uh-huh. And that uh, he's vowing to find Valjean. Asking for not help from God to find Valjean, but help from the stars. And I kind of love that. Yeah. Like, he's like, I don't need no God. 
to be, you know, I, I, it's like Javert's plan is not necessarily godless, but is less godful than Jean Valjean's, you know? Because like, Jean Valjean answers to God and Javert answers to the law. Oh my God, guys, God's the good guy in this. <laughs> I don't think that's happened anywhere outside of the Bible. No. <laughs> completely unexpected. Absolutely completely unexpected. Lord, let me find him that I may see him safe behind bars. I will never rest till then this I swear I swear by the stone. Russell Crowe, the singing was completely straight-toned and all in his nose, but it's a fine performance. It is. You know, like... I'm sorry, guys. You know, it's not as... It's not so bad that I can't stand to listen to it. I quite like sitting through stars because it's like a nice, like... It's not ma... But it's a moment where all the lights are down, you know, and we're in the dark. And yeah, we're being a psycho singing around on top of a building, but... You know, it, it's fine. And but guys, here's the thing: this is where we're gonna cut it off. No, yeah, we, we've come to the end of part one. Yeah, of Les Mis coverage. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Because honestly, there's like a full like eight year span, I think. No, yeah. Here's the thing, guys. This is why we're doing this. In the musical, Act One ends with one day more. Yeah. That's numbers away. One day more. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long way away. That's the act one closer. We're going to cut it a little short because (laughs) in the movie, you're actually almost three-fourths of the way through the film by the time act one is supposed to end in the show. Yeah, so, yeah, rather than have a micro episode for our second part... We're going to try and cut it off more naturally in terms of the narrative. Because uh, when Russell Crowe moans out, I swear by the stars. I swear by the stars. (laughs) Which is exactly where we're going to pick it up. We're going to get another nine year time jump. For which you're going to provide more history. Exactly. There's so much more to set up. Between 1823 and 1832, a lot changes in France. And (laughs) there are a lot of new characters. And the whole of Act Two is about the rebellion of 1832. Yeah. So we're going to save all of that great revolutionary stuff for you guys. We're going to get new players. Oh, Carrie, it's going to be exciting. It is going to be exciting. We're going to get into all the hot revolutionary boys next episode. A couple of them, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so ready. It's just the thing about part The thing about part two, there's less Valjean. Yeah. You know what? And that's okay. <laughs> it is. We spent the first three volumes dealing with Jean Valjean, so... But, like, now it's going to be about the young people, right? Ah, yes, yes. Young love, young revolution, (sighs) young feelings. Take my hands. I'm taking Uh, your hands. I love that we're doing this. I do, too. Because guess where we are, Carrie? Where are we? In our fucking wheelhouse. (laughs) Yeah, we are. I love musicals, guys. Oh, my God. (laughs) But anyway, guys, yeah, no, you're going to have to tune in next week for all of the... uh, For all the carnage of the revolution? All the glorious happenings. Oh, my God. Viva France! 
France! Vive la France! Vive la France! Absolutely! Oh my god, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. Folks, we want everyone to come and join this little watch party. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, Jean Valjean. <laughs> oh my god. I hate us. I do too. Uh, I hate me. I came up with it. I hate me. Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean. Sorry, Mom. <laughs>